If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2022, please make a year-end tax-deductible gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2022. As my colleague and one of our listeners' favorite guests on issues, etc., often says, to engage with God's Word, to hear it, to confess it, is what time was created for. So why is it that even among Christians who dearly love God's Word, we have such difficulty finding time, making time. What verb do you use there to study God's Word, to read it, to meditate upon it, to hear it, to confess it? Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this New Year's Day. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll kick off today's show talking with Dr. Ken Sherb about time for God's Word. Then it's part six of our series with the late Dr. Lewis Brighton on the Holy Family today, the woman in marriage. Dr. Ken Sherb has a PhD in church history from Ohio State University. He's director of evangelism, missions, stewardship, and human care for the Central Illinois District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, formerly served as a theology professor at Concordia University in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and as an assistant to the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Ken, welcome back. Delighted to be with you, Todd, here in 2020. What is the most important thing about time itself that we need to recall going into 2020? Well, you kind of made the great point, first words out of your mouth as this uh, program started. Time for God's Word. Could there be anything more precious or valuable for us to spend our time on? Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. And keep doesn't mean kind of a uh, slavish obedience, keep it in the sense of keeping this commandment and not breaking that commandment. Really, the word that he used there when he said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, means to, to treasure it, to do like, well, Mary did, treasure all these things in her heart. Luther once said, and, and this was true in his day, right? He says, neglect of God's word is a terrible sin except we don't recognize it as the terrible sin that it is because it is so very common. It was common in the 16th century. It's common in the 21st century. I, a few months ago, surveyed pastors here in the central Illinois district of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and I asked them, what are the kind of bad attitudes that you see among your new adult church members? that is, the people you have just recently received into membership, the kinds of things you wish that they didn't still think, but they do. You might even say these are their cultural idolatries, things that the culture has has taught them. Now, I gave these pastors a number of choices of things that I thought they might gravitate toward, and the response, what do you know, that they picked second most was 
I shortchange the amount of time to devote to spiritual disciplines. So yeah, the problem is still with us today. So those pastors reported that as an undesirable attitude among new members, but I imagine it also infects veteran members too. Oh yeah, and that's again what part of the reason why we're talking about this right now. Everybody needs to hear God's word. I mean, after all, one of the commandments is sanctify the holy day. Uh, give attention to God's word. In the large catechism, Luther wrote that he himself, doctor of theology that he was, an experienced professor that he was, he kept going back to the catechism, and he encouraged everybody to read the catechism, converse about it, meditate on it, because God's word is encapsulated there. And nobody should think that he's so big or mature in Christ that he doesn't need this. That attitude, figuring that we don't have time for God's word, It probably sneaks up on us, and I don't think Christians would admit to it right out, but is there any help in Scripture in spotting this attitude as it creeps up on us? Well, there's a number of places. I want to think about the parable of the sower with you. Now, the parable of the sower has all these cases of seed that kind of go awry, uh, where it doesn't come up. And then, of course, there's finally the good soil where it uh, produces 30, 60, 100 fold. But before you get to that, you have scenes from the more obvious kinds of problems to what we might call the more domesticated and familiar and maybe even unknown to us because they're right under our nose kind of problems. So Jesus talks about in the parable the seed that fell on the road and is stolen by birds, and he says that means the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts. Then he talks about the seed that fell on rocky soil with no root and no moisture, And he says those are the people who welcome the word with joy, but they have no root, so they believe for a while, but in a time of temptation, they fall away. And then there's the seed that fell among thorns, and so it begins to sprout and comes up, but the thorns eventually choke it out. And Jesus says that's the worries, the riches, the pleasures of life. I think we can use these as a kind of a general outline for us today as we talk, Todd. First of all, the more hardened attitude. I use my time how I want. I belong to me. My time is my own. That's very crass. Somewhat subtler and corresponding to the second, the seed that fell on the rocky soil, is I forget from day to day how important God's word is. And then still more subtle, corresponding to the seed that fell among the thorns that choke it, I just get distracted. I get distracted with other things, and I, and I just don't seem to get back to the Word. That first statement, that I belong to me, my time belongs to me, do Christians think this way? Well, yeah, I mean, the old Adam does, and of course we are saint and sinner at the same time. And, of course, don't forget the attacks of the devil. Jesus said in the parable that the devil comes and takes the word away to keep people from believing and being saved. And the old Adam goes along with that, because your old Adam, Todd, and mine, and that of every Christian, doesn't want to believe and doesn't want to be saved. In fact, the old Adam wants to assert that I do belong to me, and I will use my time however I want. Of course, God created time. And it no more belongs to me than I belong to me. It is really rank idolatry to say this kind of thing, to think this kind of thing. It blurs the most basic of all biblical distinctions, which is the distinction between the creature and the creator. 
How does the world squeeze us into the mold of thinking that we belong to ourselves, that our time belongs to us? Well, the world has had its own ways of doing this in every age. In the modern world, there's, again, a panoply of things. But Peter Berger and some other scholars said, when you strip everything else away, what is the heart of modernity? It's not just technology. It's not just busyness. It's not just life being compartmentalized into all sorts of different little cubby holes. I mean, those are all characteristic of, of modernity. But I think they had a point, these scholars, when they say that modernity focuses on the, as, you, as it were, the naked self, not connected with any institutions, not connected with any roles, just the naked self as the heart of the human being. And, of course, the, the modern world you know, catches on to that in all sorts of ways. Schools content themselves just to teach critical thinking. Right? They, they don't teach what you should think. They teach how you should think. And in the very process of doing it, of setting it all up that way, that's kind of admitting, it's kind of insisting, well, there's nothing definite for us to think about. We just have to think in terms of how we think. It props up that autonomy, that I belong to me attitude. You can think whatever you want, just go about it in a responsible way. Modernity, therefore, tends to think that ultimate good comes to me right now, where I want it, when I want it, in the here and now, in this life. It gets patient. It gets petulant, really. I want it, and I want it now. Of course, biblically speaking, Todd, there is such a thing as opportune time. In the New Testament, that's called kairos. It's a time of God's choosing. It's not mine to determine. But you can't hold out for a kairos. You can't say, oh, well, I will determine that I will be concerned about God at just all those opportune moments because you don't know when they are. You can't program them. They lie in God's hands. And one more thing that we should think about as we consider time. As Christians, like Luther said in The Freedom of a Christian, the Christian lives not in himself but in Christ and his neighbor. So my time is really not my own. My time really belongs to well, to Christ and my neighbor. Can you give us a biblical example? Well, maybe appropriate at this time of year, think about Mary, the mother of our Lord. If there was ever somebody's life that was interrupted by God's word, it was Mary. I mean, the angel comes and tells her, you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. You're not married. You've never known a man. No problem. God can take care of this with him. Nothing is impossible. And, of course, God had better things in store for Mary than anything she could imagine. It's not a bad model, really. Uh, Mary listening to the word and simply saying, whatever the Lord wants, I am the Lord's handmaid, and then pondering all these things in her heart as the events unfolded. Now, technology does not help us here, and that's another aspect of the modern world that, that uh, becomes a problem for us. But it's not the only problem, and it's not just modern technology. Helmut Thielicke said famously, you can't contemplate, you can't meditate on the Word of God as long as you've got a hand on the doorknob. If you're always thinking to go to the next thing, 
it doesn't matter whether you've got an iPod or a smartphone in your pocket or in your hand. It could just be that doorknob. Whatever it is that is becoming a priority for you, that could be getting between you and, and the Word of God. We really need an attitude more like, well, another character we think about at this time of year from the Scriptures, Simeon, who saw and held the Christ child, and then he said, Lord, I'm ready to depart in peace. I mean, he wasn't just saying that he was ready to go home because he had been at the temple a little bit too long that day. No, he had seen the promise. He had held the Christ child in his arms. Well, we have done better than that. We've eaten his body. We've drunk his blood. And so we are ready to die. And that really colors our attitude toward time. Does this self-centered attitude of the old Adam include self-righteousness? Oh, definitely. Never underestimate the way that self-righteousness can just pluck the gospel away from us, like uh, Jesus' image in the parable. Because my old Adam wants to use what is, he thinks, my time to bring about my efforts and my projects. But God says, in another passage we hear a lot about this time of year, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her warfare is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. He just stops the fighting. The warfare is ended. Now, my old Adam wants to keep fighting. It wants to keep struggling. It wants to keep striving and, and hopefully prevailing. But in Christ, God says it's all finished. He puts an end to my striving for righteousness when he forgives. That's what God does in Christ through his word. And in meditating on that word, like Luther said in the catechism, that puts the devil to flight. Dr. Ken Sherb is our guest. He's director of evangelism and missions, stewardship and human care for the Central Illinois District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We're talking about time for God's Word. When we come back, we do have a tendency to forget how important God's Word is on a daily basis. Stay tuned. Church music directors can find a new community at Prelude to Postlude, the CPH Music blog. Learn helpful tips for managing music ministry and involving members, and meet the composers of some of your favorite new pieces. Plus, find suggestions of music to use for special services, and preview some of our newest works with free samples you can use at your church. Visit us at prelude to postlude.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Your daily Lutheran Bible class. You're listening to Issues Etc. The Word of God, Daily Worship, Lutheran Hymnody and Catechesis, Instruction in Phonics, Traditional Math, Literature, Grammar, History, Latin, and Strings. It's all part of our daily life here at St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois. 
St. Paul is seeking teaching candidates for the 2023-24 school year. Learn more at school at stpaulhamel.org. Consider joining the faithful faculty at the only classical Lutheran school in Greater St. Louis. School at stpaulhamel.org. Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc., 713-855-2681. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about time for God's Word. Dr. Ken Sherb is our guest. Speaking of God's Word, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January is Jesus, a study of the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This book carries together all of the Gospels in a chronological order and compares how they present the life and ministry of Jesus. You can find out more about the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January at our website, issuesetc.org, or you can also call Concordia Publishing House here in the new year, 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040. Ken, we've been talking about this overall attitude that does not take time for God's Word. I shortchange the amount of time I devote to spiritual disciplines. There's another component, and that is I forget from day to day how important God's Word is. Why do Christians forget this? Well, one reason is that we forget that the Word is true. I mean, we won't remember its importance and keep that at the uppermost of our mind if we just don't think that it's true. But, of course, if God speaks, then what he says is true and what he says is important. I mean, what could be more important? I used to tell my people in the parish Every now and again, when you're thinking about the scriptures and meditating on what they say, you just sort of have to say, pinch me. Wow, this really is true. And and then look beyond the fact that God is simply speaking to me, as remarkable as that is, and see what he is saying, because God is telling me the truth about myself, right? The truth about my sin, the truth about my Savior, If it weren't for my Savior, I ultimately couldn't stand to hear about my sin. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed that the Holy Spirit would come and convince the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, those are all problems. Sin, righteousness, and judgment are all problems for anybody who does not have the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit uses God's word to convince the world of these things and in effect to convince us of, well, law and gospel, summing up the, the whole message of God in the scriptures for us. So I constantly need God's word to give me the righteousness to stand before God and to center me in Christ and reestablish in my own life just who God makes me before him. You mentioned earlier the parable of the sower And in particular, the seed that fell on rocky soil, what happened to that seed? 
Jesus said that it withered because it didn't have moisture. When I was in fourth grade, our science class did an experiment. We took some seedlings and we put them in all kinds of different places around the room and around the school and, and to see how they would react to different environments. And one, I remember, was a, in a kind of a plastic cup so we could see through to the seedlings. The, the cup was transparent. We had a crushed napkin inside, so the seedlings were kind of uh, suspended. They weren't all lying on the bottom of the cup. And we put it into the closet. And after a few days, we'd look and see how these seedlings were doing. Well, they sprouted, and they were trying to grow like wild. They were growing faster than any of the other seedlings we had at other places in the building. They were growing both upward and downward, trying to put down roots and trying to reach that sunshine. Well, after that spurt of growth, they soon died. Jesus said that the people who are like the seed that fell on rocky soil are those who receive the word with joy. That is, they really believe their joy can be almost palpable, maybe even remarkable. But in a time of temptation, Jesus added, they fall away. Luther noted that we really have to take in God's word and remember what it says. It is not beneath us to remember biblical content. It's kind of one of my pet peeves, Todd. Sometimes we give people the idea that it's so important for them to be meditating and so important for them to be conversing about God's word, and it is but they've got to know what it says first. Then the conversation and the meditation become easier and, and more delightful. I mean, think of the boy Jesus in the temple at age 12. He was completely hooked on God's word, and he knew what it said. It seems that forgetting God's word or its importance would be a milder failing than that attitude, I belong to me, I'll use my time the way I want to use it. But Forgetting is still dangerous, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because one who forgets is not taking his own sin and the wrath of God over sin very seriously. He just doesn't fear the Lord, and therefore we need to hear the law. Just run through the Ten Commandments. Run through it like Luther says in the Catechism, in light of your own vocation. Consider your calling in life and what God would have you do. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, slothful? Have you grieved anyone by word or deed? Have you stolen anything, neglected anything, wasted anything? Have you done any other injury? And that's just a partial list of all the things that we can do to remind ourselves of our sin. And we need to be reminded of it because our society is not going to remind us about it by and large. And at the same time, that same society does not know what to do with suffering and sacrifice and death. We just as soon put death as much as possible uh, out of sight, and maybe it'll be out of mind then. By contrast, the scripture says, this is the testimony of God. He has given us everlasting life, and this life, his gift, is in his Son. The person who has the Son has life. The person who does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
I am writing this to you. This is from 1 John 5. I am writing this to you, John writes, so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God may know that you have life everlasting. That's why God wants you to hear his word. He wants you to know this, know it on a daily basis so that it colors and fills every aspect of your life. Furthermore, as Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, the word that God gave through his men is here so that we will not be babies any longer, tossed and driven about by every doctrinal wind, by the trickery of people and their clever scheming to lead us astray. No, we've got the word so that we will be certain of what God has told us. Doctrinal certainty is a gift of God, and it comes through immersion in the word. Like Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are indeed my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You said that we forget the importance of God's word when we forget that it's true. Do we also forget its importance when we lose sight of its power. Yeah, that's another important point, Todd. The same Jesus who talked about remaining in his word and knowing the truth also said that those who remain or abide in his word would bear much fruit, God powerfully bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit through them. One of the most striking attestations to the power of God's word just its sheer power in the scriptures, is in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. You know, think about Jonah's mission to Nineveh. He's going right to the heart of the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrians were cruel. I I used to call them the motorcycle gang of the ancient Near East. But, of course, it's no laughing matter. The, The Assyrians used to be just a scourge. They would pile up these skulls of people whom they had killed. They were bloodthirsty. And Jonah's going right into that situation, and he he just shows up. As far as they're concerned, he just shows up one day. They don't know all the backstory that we know from the book. He preaches repentance, and miraculously, that's exactly what happens. The people repent, and God relents from the disaster that he threatened. Now, that's all a miracle. It's a miracle wrought by the power of God's word. (laughs) Jonah even says, I knew this was going to happen. I figured that something like this would go on, that you, God, would would give them repentance and they wouldn't get what's coming to them. And, And that's why he sulks at the end of the book, because he knew the power of God's word. Not because he didn't know it, it's because he knew it. However, note that just like the falling away that Jesus talks about in the parable, the Assyrians went back to their old ways and became another scourge for God's people before it was all over. Is it a part of this picture that God comes humbly through spokesmen like Jonah or like pastors today? Yeah, we get kind of thrown off the scent, as it were, of the importance of God's word, in part because we get offended or put off by the messengers. Or sometimes we just get so fascinated by the messengers themselves, we never really think about the message that they are bringing. I know one church that got a new pastor, and and they liked him, liked him fine, in fact. But all they could seem to talk about was how this big, tall guy, and, and he was tall, how he looked so good in the pulpit of their church. Now, maybe you've been in conversations on the way home from church where all the talk was about how well the choir sang or maybe not not saying, 
or how good the altar flowers looked or how well the bulletin was laid out, but there was virtually nothing in the talk about the one thing needful. And of course, if we're looking to complain, we can always find plenty of things to complain about. So just belay all that stuff. Talk about the word after church. Uh, Luther once put it this way to a congregation in a sermon he preached. He said, look, God will say to me at judgment day, did you preach my word to these people? And he will say, yes, I did. And then God will turn and say to you, well, did you believe it? Did you hear it? Did you take it to heart? And you will say, oh, we just thought it was the word of some mere man. And God will say, no, it was much more than that. God comes to us in his word. Now, that's grace on his part. That's mercy. He comes behind a mask, as it were, because we can't look upon him in his naked glory and live. But we ought not take advantage of that grace. Sounds like another of Jesus' parables having to do with not seeds, but in this case, a single mustard seed. Yeah, don't be put off Don't lose sight of the importance of what's going on here when God plants his seed, his word, because of the humble beginnings or the slow growth. God's word does not lack power, and yes, it really is that important. Where else are we going to find out how broad and deep and high and long is God's love for us in Christ? Paul wrote to Timothy that all things are sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And that, of course, includes you, Todd, and every one of our listeners. When we come back, we'll talk about the danger of distraction from God's Word. Dr. Ken Sherb is our guest on this Wednesday, January the 1st. We're talking about time for God's Word. And when the evening meal was done, Dad would read to us from family bible and we'd count our many blessings one by one listen to the best of the church's christmas music during the entire christmas season at lutheranpublicradio.org During the 12 days of Christmas, Lutheran Public Radio, lutheranpublicradio.org. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Saving faith is a living, creative, active, and powerful thing, Martin Luther writes. How can it not be? It is created by our loving God through His living words and life-giving deeds. Living Faith Lutheran Church is located at 1171 Atlanta Highway in Cumming, Georgia. Come train in God's Word with us for the baptized life in our adult catechumenate. Find out more on the web at livingfaithlutheran.com. 
Life Week 2023 with Lutherans for Life is coming soon, and you're personally invited to join in celebrating that you are blessed for life. From Sunday, January 15th through Saturday, January 21st, 2023, go to lutheransforlife.org for more information and for Zoom links. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org, lutheransforlife.org. Equipping the priesthood of all believers, you're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Our Redeemer, Smithfield, Rhode Island. Atonement Lutheran, Glendale, Arizona. Christ the Shepherd Lutheran, Alpharetta, Georgia. Holy Cross Lutheran, Moline, Illinois. Our Redeemer Lutheran, Cedar Falls, Iowa. Hope Lutheran, Highland, Illinois. St. John Lutheran, Paulina, Iowa. Redeemer Lutheran, Mandeville, Louisiana. St. Paul Lutheran, Lockport, Illinois, Trinity Lutheran, San Dimas, California, and Zion Lutheran, Labore, Nebraska. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast at our website, and in the Issues Etc. Journal. We're talking about time for God's Word. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Dr. Ken Sherb is our guest, formerly served as a theology professor at Concordia University, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and as an assistant to the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Ken, we're kind of running through these attitudes toward God's Word, and this one is one that is also expressed by Christians. I get distracted. We live in an age of distraction, and I don't get back to God's Word. We have a lot of distractions to deal with, don't we? Yeah, and the Christian church always has. Jesus knew this when he told the parable of the sower. He spoke there again about the seed that fell among thorns, and the thorns end up choking out the word. And he explained that by the thorns, he meant the worries, the riches, and the pleasures of life. Every age has seen various worries and riches and pleasures of life. I mean, think about Martha in Luke 10 wondering about uh, how she's going to get this meal cooked, especially without any help from her sister Mary, and gadding about and just really trying to do all this stuff. And Jesus tells her to calm down, and, and, and Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. But Martha was distracted. Pascal observed that people were distracted in his day. That was the 17th century. But we have our full share of distractions to deal with these days. No question about it. Think about all the electronic devices alone that can distract people or how folks get caught up in fame and celebrity. And then there are just the real hard knocks problems of life, and those distract our attention too. In one of Woody Allen's films, he had one of the characters say that people are constantly creating these real neurotic problems for themselves because it keeps them from dealing with the more unsolvable, terrifying problems of the universe. In other words, you might think, Todd, that responsibilities and duties 
probably form really heavy burdens that make people unhappy. And yet, for a lot of us, and for even Christians, if not a source of happiness, these things are at least a source of diversion. And they prevent us, or maybe even relieve us, from having to think about the weightier things, the big, the terrifying problems. Now, Paul puts all this in perspective when he talks about how the world in its present form is passing away. And, of course, Jesus himself said, do not continue to work for the food that spoils, but for the food that keeps until everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. And after Jesus got finished saying things like that, Peter told him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, that word really is the one thing necessary, and, and we should not be distracted from it. It's not always evil pursuits or sinful things that distract us from God's word. Sometimes we are distracted by things that are relatively good. Yeah, exactly right. And and so let's kind of analyze this a little bit. I mean, we first should acknowledge, of course, that there are obviously wrong pursuits in the world that can distract also Christians, and we should not be engaged in those things at all. But there is more to being worldly in the biblical sense of the term than just those obviously evil and wicked things. James wrote, you do not receive things because you do not ask for them. Or you ask for something, but you don't get it because you want it for a wrong purpose, to spend it on your pleasures. Adulterous people, do you not know that to love the world is to hate God? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And that refers to the very best things, the most alluring things that the world might have to offer. A similar passage from 1 John, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, he does not love the Father, because everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the vain display of property, does not come from the Father, but from the world. And the world, with its lust, is passing away. In fact, Todd, we can get distracted from God even by God's own good gifts. Those, too, can become idols for us as we begin worshiping and serving the creature, not the creator. Now, you can think of a lot of examples of this, I'm sure, but I'm talking here not only about tangible gifts, things that you can see and touch and manipulate, but also intangible things like natural and spiritual gifts. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he was talking about intangible gifts when he said, you do not lack any gift as you eagerly look for our Lord Jesus Christ to appear again. He will strengthen you to the end so that no one can accuse you of anything on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul gets them right back to the big thing. And to comfort the Corinthians and encourage them, he went on and said, you can depend on God who called you to the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The fourth century church father, Augustine, famously said the Christians need to keep their loves, their affections properly ordered. Does that bear upon this conversation? Oh, yeah. Because whatever we love, and, and by that, Augustine meant whatever we desire, exerts a powerful force on us. It's like it reaches out and pulls us toward a particular goal or a particular end. 
I mean, I may love my car, my hobbies, my career, even my family, but if I'm not careful, even things like those that are in themselves benign or good can tug me away from the Lord. I can idolize any of those things. And then I have no problem whatsoever investing loads of my time and effort and energy and money. But above all, in this conversation, let's think about my time. The things I idolize, I'll put lots of time there. It can get to the point even where my quote-unquote day of rest becomes the busiest day of the week because I'm putting such great amounts of time and energy into things and pursuits that leave me exhausted. And that's the way it is with idols. We put all kinds of effort into serving them, but they give us nothing and they leave us with nothing. And for us, most of the time, the biggest idol is ourselves. My biggest idol is me. It's not just that I have inordinate love of things. I love myself. I want to be God. There is an old line that says something like people end up worshiping their work, working at their play, and playing at their worship. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. The Lord wants us to work, but we can come up with projects that the Lord never commanded, or at least extremes of effort that he never said he wanted. And then we can be like, well, uh, David wanting to build the Lord a temple without stopping to ask what God really wanted him to do. Or the scribes and the Pharisees in the New Testament, Jesus said, you come up with all sorts of ways of serving God that turn out to be teaching as divine doctrines, the mere commandments of men. In both of those cases, and many others you could point to in the scriptures, the answer is in what God was saying, both giving his word of judgment on sin and in grace, bidding sinners to find their rest in him. But see, you may not end up hearing that if you're so busy worshiping your work and working at your play that you end up just playing at your worship. So we need to kind of put our foot down and just take a time out from everything else. Sometimes a sports team will take a time out to give players a break when they've been exerting themselves and they're just plain tuckered out. But timeouts can occur for other reasons besides that. I mean, a timeout can be strategic. It can be for instruction or for encouragement to the troops. And I mention this because in the Gospels, Jesus, on one famous occasion, sort of called a timeout when his apostles returned from a little preaching tour on which he had sent them. He says, come apart to a place by yourselves, and rest. And it may have seemed, when he says that, that what he was doing was calling the first kind of timeout, the, the one for when you're just dog-tired. But that's not exactly what's going on here. People used to talk about the pause that refreshes, and it may seem that Jesus was just telling people to pause and be refreshed through some rest. But really what Jesus was doing was calling more the second kind of timeout the one for refreshment, the one where the team gets instruction and encouragement. Because when they got to the place where they were going to quote-unquote rest, there was this big crowd ahead of them. And the disciples didn't get a lot of rest in the sense of cessation of activity. They got pulled into the work of Jesus. He feeds the 5,000. He gives the bread and fish to them, and they give it to the crowd. He makes them part of the work. He gets them used to this kind of responsibility that they're going to carry on in the future. 
So they got refreshment of a different sort. And the crowd got refreshment, not only with the food, but with the word that Jesus taught. Jesus in the gospel gives us the refreshment that pauses. Something you said right there, I think, is a real nugget of gospel in the midst of all this. Jesus gave priority to people. Yeah, I mean, you see it in that text. When he got off the boat and he saw all these people like sheep without a shepherd, he went right into it. He went to teach them and to help them. I mean, he was taking time in in everything he did, in his whole ministry, in his whole mission to save. He was taking time for us to do the saving work that only he could do. And, And there was no procrastination with him, no reluctance, no hesitation. He couldn't wait to get at it. He couldn't wait to get at the work of, of saving people who take so little time for him. And in that attitude of Christ, there is a new attitude for us. We will talk about how God knows how to use time far better than we do in our conversation on Time for God's Word with Dr. Ken Sherb. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2022, please make a year-end tax-deductible gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2022. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's life ministry is thousands of people sharing Christ's love and mercy and giving witness to our Lord's creation of life, His design for marriage and the family, and the God-given value of all human life from conception to natural death. Working with many partners, LCMS Life Ministries sponsors human care efforts that meet the needs of body and soul and provides resources and educational events for all ages. To learn more, email lifeministry at lcms.org and visit lcms.org life. Casting Christ's Net on the Internet. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with healing of the Gerasene demoniac, what God has done for you, healing of the woman with the issue of blood, raising of Jairus' daughter, and Jesus sends the twelve. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for the word of the Lord endures forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about Time for God's Word. Dr. Ken Sherb is our guest. He has a Ph.D. in church history from Ohio State University. He's Director of Evangelism and Mission Stewardship and Human Care for the Central Illinois District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Formerly served as a theology professor at Concordia University in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and as an assistant to the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Ken, before the break, we were talking about how in Christ, God took time for us. He prioritized people, as you were saying, even people who wouldn't take time for him. Is it also important for us to recognize that, just like everything else, God knows better how to use time than we ever will? Yeah, well, he made it, so he ought to know, right? When the fullness of time had come, God did what he was planning to do all along. He sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, Paul wrote to the Galatians. And with a future view, Peter reminds us, the Lord is not slow to do what he has promised, as some people think, Rather, he is patient with you because he does not want any to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. See, God here in time is working out a plan that he had from all eternity. And he works that out when Jesus comes into the world and he speaks his word. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That is one of the most comforting passages I can think of in all the scriptures. It tells us that really everything that God has done in time to save us, particularly as we hear his word, is something that he planned to do from all eternity. And even our hearing the word is something that he planned to bring into our lives. There is nothing haphazard about that. There's nothing simply accidental about it. It's not just that you said to yourself, oh gosh, I ought to grab the portals of prayer. This is part of God's plan from all eternity. So do you have any practical suggestions for kind of the how-to of this? Well, I hesitate a little bit to get too detailed because, of course, Christians differ one from another in their situations. And even throughout a Christian's life, there are certain devotional patterns and practices that may be more helpful at one stage of life than another. But, you know, we can certainly talk about some general things, starting with come to church. No matter how old you are in the Christian life, that's basic Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together, like the Bible says. And don't just come and kind of sit there like a lump. Anticipate. Grow familiar with what's going to go on there. Think about those propers ahead of time. Listen to the issues, etc., preparing for Sunday morning interviews, for example. But contemplate where this Sunday's service fits into the rest of Scripture, where it fits into the church year. Use the catechism to help you reflect. Ask where these lessons kind of fit into the catechism. And when you've heard the sermon, ask how that sermon you just heard fits into the catechism. And that 
brings me to the next point, and I kind of suggested this a little bit earlier in our conversation here, Todd. Talk about the church service afterwards, not about the quality of the organ playing or the fact that the acolyte skipped a candle or something like that. No, talk with your family and friends about the word that you heard there. This may be one of the most important things for us to cultivate, because if we're not talking about the word of God with one another, we're not going to get to talking about it with anybody else. And then, of course, there's daily devotions, and people have slightly different needs. It is good, I think, in general, to try to be both extensive and intensive as we are drinking in the Scriptures. And there are all sorts of aids for many different levels of experience and understanding. I mean, you can read devotions. I mentioned Portals of Prayer earlier from CPH, even whole sermons. The the Treasury of Daily Prayer assigns roughly one chapter from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament to each day, and it includes the Psalms, which are, in any case, very important to help us learn to pray because they cover a full range of emotions. And don't forget to pray, not just when you're in church, not just when you're having devotional time, but pray without ceasing, like the Bible says. Engage in prayer in the car. Sing hymns as you're driving around and at other odd moments. And pray with others. Pray the Lord's Prayer, obviously, the prayer that Christ himself gave. Offer thanksgivings and intercessions, just little snippets. Lord, please help this person. Thank you for this. All of that helps us to draw closer around the word, especially when we share those prayer requests with other people. People will start with the best of intentions, then they get derailed. What then? Well, pick it up again. Don't worry so much about what you missed yesterday. Look at what you have before you today. Now, I know people who are reluctant to come back to church, for example, after a long absence, and I always caution people in the congregation, don't make them feel uncomfortable. Don't say things like, well, we really missed you. Where have you been? The Lord doesn't do that. He doesn't break a bruised reed. Well, we ourselves, when we are just returning after an absence from our devotional time, we have the high priest before God, Christ himself, who invites us and ushers us right into the presence of God. We're not worthy to come there on our own. Definitely we're not worthy. But we come in with him. We're sort of trading, as it were, Todd, on his reputation. We're riding his coattails because Christ is our brother, God is our father, and we can indeed approach him with boldness and confidence. And one more thing, get the power of habit working for you. Get to the point where you miss your devotional time if, for some reason, you have to skip it. If it's not there, you miss it. That's a great idea. Ken, you started out, I think you said that the I don't have time for God's word answer was the second most of the cultural idolatries that pastors reported among new church members. What was the first? Yeah, the first one may not be surprising to you at all. It was, above all, I want to be happy. And since we're in the time of New Year's Day and the typical greeting is Happy New Year, that's the thing we're going to take up when we talk tomorrow, Todd. Dr. Ken Sherb will be back with us tomorrow to talk about the idol of happiness. Ken has a Ph.D. in church history from Ohio State University. He's director of evangelism and missions, stewardship, and human care 
for the Central Illinois District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, formerly served as a theology professor at Concordia University in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and as an assistant to the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Ken, thanks for being our guest. It's my honor, Todd. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Here's an easy way for you to hear and study God's Word in 2020. Listen and subscribe to a new podcast produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. It's hosted by Issues Etc. regular guest, Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study. You can listen anytime, anywhere at thewordendures.org and on the LPR mobile app. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. Up next, The Woman in Marriage in our series with the late Dr. Lewis Brighton on the Holy Family. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., PO Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wildwood, Missouri is a proud sponsor of Issues Etc. And if you enjoy the relevant, Christ-centered teachings presented on this program, then you should come and join us at St. Paul's on Sundays at 9 a.m., where you will hear sermons that proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sins and enjoy in-depth Bible studies to help us grow as disciples. For more information, check us out at stpaullutheranwildwood.org.